chapter 16, or if you have a phone, uh, an app, a neighbor, whatever you got, tattooed on your back, whatever it is, Proverbs 16, we're going to dive into verse 1. So I almost dropped out of college. Uh, I I think I was a sophomore, and when I was in college, I was studying mechanical engineering, and I was at ASU, and it was boring, to be honest with you. Uh, but the biggest thing was, is that when I was, was this, ah, when I was a sophomore in college, I started serving in the junior high ministry at the church I was at. And in that ministry, I began to have opportunities to teach and lead other things, and, and I just really started to feel this sense that like God wanted me to be in ministry. And not in the sense that like, he wants all of us to be in ministry, but that he wanted me to pursue being on staff, to be a pastor, to be, to be a leader in a church. And that's what I started to feel, this strong sense that I wanted to do, but I knew I wasn't ready for that. And I knew I needed to be equipped to do that, and I knew the biggest thing I needed to do was learn. Learned God's word, learn the scriptures, uh, understand how to teach and communicate that, maybe be equipped to counsel or, or to lead people in other ways in that facet. And so what I started to wonder is, should I leave ASU? Because it wasn't exactly equipping me, right? It wasn't preparing me for ministry, I didn't think. It, it wasn't teaching me anything about the Bible. It wasn't teaching me about how to, how to comfort people or lead people or serve people. It, it wasn't doing what I thought I needed to learn. And so I started to think, maybe I should drop out. Right? Maybe I should go to another school, like a Bible college, that would, that would help me to do that. I, just, I wasn't really sure. I, I had this strong sense that this is the direction God was, was leading me, that, that this is where he wanted me to be, that, that I wanted to be a pastor, but I didn't feel like ASU was really going to equip me to get there. And so I had to figure out the plan, like, what am I supposed to do? Maybe you're in a situation like that today. I mean, maybe you don't want to be a pastor, but maybe you're trying to figure out which way do you go? What's the wise decision? And not just like today, like, should I, should I go get drunk tonight or should I stay home? Like, that's one decision to make, but, but what direction am I trying to head into? What kind of plans do I have for my life? Maybe you just finished school. Maybe you're in the middle of school and you're not sure you like your major or, or what career path there is. Maybe, maybe you're just all of it just seems overwhelming. Which way are you supposed to go? What school are you supposed to send your kids to? What are you trying to lead them in? And the reality is is that these are all plans that we make, but I've realized that this week even, and I've been convicted myself, like we make plans in our culture, but we tend to make decisions fairly impulsively. Right? We, we tend to be, be like reactionary and, and indecisive until there's a moment's notice. And, and like we'll make plans to, to go on a diet and to work out, and then we'll drive by Taco Bell. And that sounds way better than dieting and working out. So I'm just going to stop this one time. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join the gym, but I'm never going to go. Like it's too early or it's too late. I'm too tired. Work's too hard. Like we don't live in a culture that really follows through with plans a lot of times. Or maybe you do, right? Maybe you are a planner. Maybe you said, you know, I'm going to go to the 11 o'clock service and then I'm going to go get lunch and then I'm going to go to Huss tomorrow at the Men's Connect. Like maybe you're a planner with your calendar lined out. Well, this last year has taught you that those plans don't always work out. It doesn't matter how many places you write it down. If you got your whiteboard in your office and your calendar on your phone and your iPad and whatever else, sometimes plans just don't fall through. Sometimes they fall through. And so the question is, I mean, do we make plans? Should we have plans? If we are going to make plans, like what, what direction do we go? Like, what are we supposed to do? How do we respond? What's the wise path? 
Which way do we go? As we dive into into chapter 16, I'm going to read the first nine verses. And there's this section, uh, the first verse and the last verse. Watch how closely they, they almost mirror each other. It says, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in his heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So we have this this sense in this series even where we're trying to make decisions. And what we're trying to understand is what, what's a wise way to live our lives. And so with this idea of planning, it's, it's looking ahead, looking beyond today's decisions. And how do we get somewhere that we're trying to go? In our career, in our family, in our personal lives, where we want to live, where we want to travel, what we want to experience, what are the things that we're trying to achieve? And as we start to read in this section, we see that, that there's a sense at which there's two plans at play in our lives. There's our plans. The ones where we have that sense, the things that we, that we see, that we, want, that we want to achieve, that we want to accomplish, that we want to do, that we want to experience, that we want to have. But then there's also God's plan. And God's plan is overarching everything. And it's not just overarching like my life or your life. It's, it's all of our lives. In fact, it's, it's everyone's life for all of time. God has this plan that he's working out from the beginning, from the point of creation that he foresaw. He knew what was coming. He saw he's not surprised by anything that we've experienced or anything that's happened in the past, anything that's going to happen in the future. God is working this plan out and that's over everything that we're trying to do. Whether we intend to do good or evil, God is at work in his plan and he's working his plan out because he is sovereign. His plan, well, just like we say, he's faithful to what he's promised. His plan is going to come to fruition. His plan is being worked out. And as we see this section then, then we start to understand that, that there's really two ways that we can make our plans. Now, in, in verse 1 and in verse 9, it, it kind of talks about this sense of heart. What we want to understand, especially in the Old Testament, is a heart isn't like you and I experience. Right? When we talk about our heart in, in our culture today, we talk about emotions. We talk about feelings. We talk about this, this sense of even maybe a little bit of our desire, but that's kind of it. It's just all like, I feel like I don't really love this girl anymore. Maybe I shouldn't be married to her. Or I feel like she doesn't make me happy. I think we should, we should call it quits. Or I feel like I should go do this tonight and then I feel like I should change my career and I feel, right, that's kind of what we get this sense of heart, but that's not what the, what the Old Testament is talking about. What the Old Testament uses that heart is broader. It encompasses the mind. It encompasses our will. It encompasses our understanding. It encompasses our feelings and our emotions. That's part of who we are. But it's also our desires. It's a, it's a much broader concept. And so when we talk about the idea that this, uh, the scripture reads when the, that our heart makes plans, that's, that's really a reasoned decision. It's what do we desire? What do we want out of life? But also, what do we think about that? How do we, how do we want to achieve that? How do we get there? 
Now, the reality is, is that if we're talking about that, we're talking about what we feel, what we know, what we want, well, then we start to see that if God has a plan and we have a plan, and there's two ways for us. There's two ways for us to make our plans. There's a foolish way and a wise way. The foolish way, well, the foolish way is, is focused on us. The foolish way is focused on what do we want? What do we want out of life? What, how do we define purpose and meaning? How do we define our own joy, our own happiness, our own success? See, the foolish way for making plans is self-centered. It's selfish a lot of times. It's even sinful. Because the foolish way rejects the idea that God has a plan, or at least rejects the idea that God's plan impacts me. It's about independence, freedom, autonomy. I'm in control of my own destiny. I make my own way. I write my own story. I'm on my own path. The reality is, is that has nothing to do with what God's plan, or excuse me, that has nothing to do with what God wants for us. Right? In fact, it's the opposite. It's what we see in Genesis 3, that, that Adam and Eve are confronted with this idea. They've been given this garden, this lush paradise to live in, and God says, just don't do this one thing, because I have a purpose and a plan for you. And they reject that and say, I know what's best for me. And so now when we're making plans for our lives, we have the same decision. Do we trust that God has a plan or do we want to follow our own way? And following our own way, it's tempting, right? Like following our way is what everything around us in our culture tells us to do. It's define who you are. Figure out your own identity. Figure out what you're good at and make a career out of that. Be independent. Be independently wealthy. Be independently free. Be, have all of the, the joys in life that you can consume. Make yourself happy. Pursue it with everything that you have. See, the, the foolish plan, the, the, the path really is a path to destruction, isn't it? Because if we're just trying to satisfy our own desires, if we're just focused on understanding plans based on what we want, we can justify any action. Right? We, we can. Maybe you're having an argument with your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend, and you know what? I, I don't really want to talk about that anymore, so I'm just going to work more. Right? And, and if you're married and you're working more so you don't have to go home to argue, you can even justify that in some ways, can't you? Like, you know, I'm going to work more. I want to show my kids that I'm a hard worker and, you know, I don't have to go at home and, and have that argument. I'm just going to continue to work and, and I'll make more money and they'll be able to go to a better school and my, my wife will have all the things that she ever wanted. And right? you can justify these actions and just putting in more and more hours at work. But really what you're trying to do is avoid the conversation you need to have. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's something else. Like maybe you are single and you're trying to figure out your career path. And in one, one job, you're not going to make as much money, but you're going to have more time. In another job, you're going to make a ton of money, but you're going to be working all the time. What do you do? I mean, is money bad? Maybe you're not going to make as much money, but you'll have more time to do something else. Be with people, serve people have a hobby that you love that gives you passion? Or maybe 
Maybe you work more. Maybe you make more money. Maybe you're generous with that money. Like, what do you do? So we start to understand that when we're, we're focused on what we want, it's, it's hard to define what the right path is. It's hard to understand which direction we're supposed to go if we're just defining the destination that's right, good, righteous. Which way do we go? What plans do we make? What direction are we trying to head if we are the ones just choosing and we don't have a foundation for understanding what is good even for us? Are you guys excited for like the summer to come? I know Tim and Jaya get to be excited, but I feel like I'm excited too because I get to have some time maybe to go visit family. And are you guys going to travel anywhere? Are you going to go camping? Are you going to get out of this like city, this heat? I, I really pray that you do because it's going to be miserable. Um, right, I, I, like last year, you couldn't travel. And maybe you could a little bit, but, but it certainly wasn't the kind of experience we're used to for like vacation. But maybe, maybe the vacation that you're weighing is you have friends or coworkers that you know you're gonna go and you're gonna have a good time. You care about them, they care about you. There's relationships there, but you also know uh, they're just gonna spend all their time getting drunk. Should you go? I mean, you get to connect with people, you get to get out of town, you get to go to the beach or the mountains. Is it the right direction? Right, and that, that's like the negative side, right? Like when you're talking about foolish, foolish uh, plans, like it's really easy to see when paths go to, to sin, that maybe that's not the right direction. And, and it's really easy to see. If you think about like World War II, we have these despotic leaders who, who have these plans to overcome uh, countries and, and to gain more power and to eliminate certain people groups, like all of these things, those are really easy to see. Those plans are wrong. That's a path to evil and destruction. Like we're gonna avoid that. And maybe it's easy to see in some of these others, like other examples I gave where like if you're destroying your relationships or neglecting your relationships or ignoring those things, maybe that's not the right direction either. But the reality is, is that the foolish path can look like a really good thing. Right? In this passage, what we begin to see is that even good things can be the foolish path if we're neglecting the idea that God has a plan. And so if we're defining our direction ourselves, our destination, the thing that we're trying to accomplish just based on our own value, our own vision for our lives, well, then that path can seem really good and still can go wrong. So what I mean by that is, so parents in this city and probably every city, quite frankly, are really intent on finding the right direction to go for school, right? Where do they want to send their kids? And it's hard. And you can go to one school, and there's a better education, there's, there's programs there, there's, there's accelerated programs and college classes or whatever else, and you go to another school, and there's uh, athletic programs and extracurricular and musical and, and all kinds of things. Like, you have to pick the right direction. Which way do you want to go? Which direction do you send your kids? Neither of those are wrong. Right, you want your kids to have a good education, or maybe it's you. Maybe you just decided like you're gonna go to GCU because you know the recruiter came or you had this experience and, and you just feel like this is the direction I want to go, and now you're trying to pick a major. And you're like, I don't know, like I, I want to help people, maybe I'll be a nurse or a teacher. Neither of those are wrong, right? Neither of those are bad, but you have to figure out which direction do you go. Right? If you nurse, maybe you make more money. Teacher, you get to hang out with kids. Which way? 
See, the reality is, is that when we look at this passage, we begin to understand that, that there's a foolish path that looks like a good thing to do, a good way to go. And then we have all of these decisions before us. What do I do with our finances? What do we do with our family? What do we do with our spouse? Should I ever get married and have a spouse? Where do I live? What city do I live in? What job do I take? Do I take that other job? Like, where do we go? Are you guys confused yet? Like, like it's not easy. And my life, like the path I'm on, the plan that I have is not the right plan for you guys. The truth is I can't stand up here and preach like, hey, this is the job you're supposed to take. This is the school your kids are supposed to go to. This is the person you're supposed to marry. So what do we do from this passage? We have to understand the wisdom from the scripture to understand which direction we go. Right now, I'm happy to meet with you and talk about those questions, those things you're dealing with. Like, that's my job as a pastor. Honestly, it's my privilege as a pastor to get to just weigh in on somebody's life like that. I love it. And I'm one person, one voice, and I'll try to do so with wisdom, but I can't do it in a sermon. But what I can do, at least attempt to, is try to figure out what does a wise path look like? Right, Because if a foolish path leads to destruction and evil and sinfulness, but a foolish path also looks like the right direction until it's not, until it just seems to fail, fall apart, and crumble, right? you send your kids to the good school and then they don't go to college. You send your kids to uh, the wrong school and they get a, a scholarship. Like, What do you do with that? You take this job and you have all kinds of friends and you're not making very much money, but you're happy. Gosh, that worked out. <laughs> How do you figure that out? It's wisdom. That's what we're talking about in Proverbs. Wisdom. Right? It's the application of knowledge. It's understanding God's plan. And ultimately for us, when we're making our plans, we want to look and see what is God's will? What is his plan? Because it's his plan that begins to reveal to us what he's trying to accomplish. So I didn't drop out of college. Yay. Yay. Uh, but I did change my major, and I honestly don't know if I changed it before or after I made the decision, uh, the decision to stay. But what I did do is I changed my major to business finance, which still has like no application to ministry in my mind at 19 or 20. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I'll do this because I took an economics class that was really interesting, and, and I started talking to people in class, and they were a little bit more interesting than the engineering students I was with before. And you know, what I'll do is I'll stay at ASU, and I'll have opportunities to serve in the church that I'm in. I have pastors who are discipling me. I have other people who are discipling me. I'm getting opportunities to go on mission trips. Like God is really opening all kinds of doors. And, and the best thing, ASU, I have a scholarship for. If I went somewhere else, like I'm gonna have to pay for that. College is expensive. Bible college is even more expensive. And so I stayed at ASU and I got this degree in something that I thought was a waste of time. If nothing else, to just get a degree so I could go to seminary. Side note, if you guys have never heard of seminary, I had this picture of like priests that like hung out together for a long time, kind of like a nunnery or something. Not seminary. Seminary is a school. It's where you study the Bible, you study counseling, you study preaching. It's a master's program, basically. And so that's what I figured for ASU. I'll get my degree so that I can go to seminary and then I'll get equipped to be a pastor. And that's kind of what I did. 
But what I didn't foresee is that eventually I'd be hired as a pastor at a church where I was doing youth ministry and missions and just serving and, and doing these things. And, and while I was doing that, something happened where we lost some staff members and there was this huge shakeup and responsibilities. And all of a sudden what fell to my desk was these spreadsheets and budget reports and things that I was the only one on staff that knew how to read because of the degree I had a few years before. I didn't foresee that coming, but God did. I didn't think that when I was 22, getting that piece of paper, but God knew it was coming a few years later. And that's when I began to understand, and what, what we're trying to understand from this passage is that we make our plans, and we try to even make the wise plans. We try to understand where God's leading us, but the things that we, we have to keep in mind is that it's God's plan that's being fulfilled, we want to hold our plans open-handedly. We want to understand that, that we should make plans, that we shouldn't just fly by the seat of our pants and, and never think about where we're going, never doing anything for the future. Like We should make plans, but understand that sometimes our plans don't work out. And what it means to take the wise path, what it means to, to make plans with wisdom is to pursue God's will first, to understand what is he doing? How has he equipped me? How is he equipping you? What gifts has he given you? What passions has he put in your heart? Who has he made you to be so that you could continue to pursue the mission that he is accomplishing in his plan? Right? Because his plan is about redemption. His plan is about the whole world. His plan is about salvation through Christ. And that plan comes at a cost. Right, that plan comes at a cost to Jesus, the plan that he began from the beginning, from the moment that he spoke earth into existence, he already knew that this would come, that we had this issue with rebellion against him, but he desired to have relationship with us. And so that relationship would come through the purpose of his plan, redemption in Jesus' death and resurrection. And when we put our faith in him, we have this heart change and that heart change begins to work in us in a way that now allows us to see that wise path to seek after plans that serve God's plan first. It's no longer about me. It's no longer about you and what you want for your life first and foremost. It's about what does God desire for us? Where is he leading us? What is he trying to teach us and show us? How has he made us? Because we've had this heart change. We begin to see things differently, the world around us differently. It's no longer what our culture says. It's no longer what our, even our old friends say or our family says. It's, it's first and foremost, what does God say? about what it means to be alive. Jesus said he, he came so that we could have life. And we have that through our faith in him and, and we begin to make plans based on that. We begin to work towards fulfilling his purpose. That he is worthy to be followed and we desire to follow the path that he lays before our feet. And so when we're making wise plans, it's plans that say God has a plan that I wanna be a part of. God wants us to be a part of that. When we're saved, we don't just like disappear. We aren't just up in heaven going to a party. Like we're still here. There's still breath in our lungs. There's a mission for us. There's a purpose for us. There's a plan that God is working out through us. And so we make wise decisions by pursuing God's will. And when we pursue God's will, maybe that means taking a job in Phoenix or coming to GCU and maybe that also means coming to Phoenix Bible Church because you liked the preaching that you heard online or the music seemed better than it was at another church or, or maybe the people were just more welcoming. Maybe this is your first time and you're just checking things out. But that's part of it, right? It's, it's seeking, what is, what is God calling me to? Where is God calling me to be? 
Yeah, and sometimes that means taking a job that gives you a huge paycheck. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it means marrying the person that you've always loved and and getting to spend your life with them. And sometimes it means being single and having relationships with people that are close and intimate in different ways. Sometimes it means struggling through the marriage that you're in right now because that's what God desires for you to work through. Right? And that's something that's really important is that the foolish path can look easy and good and fun and exciting and lead to destruction, but the wise path can be hard and tumultuous and trying. And even Jesus had to experience that, right? Jesus came from heaven down to earth. And then not only did he serve as a, as a person who was willing to humble himself to the lowest of the, of the ladder, but he died on a cross. And that was part of God's plan. And if his plan causes himself to suffer that way, then maybe we might have some suffering too, right? So the wise path can have obstacles. The wise path can have a wall in front of us. And sometimes when we hit that wall, we have to make a turn, right? We go left, we go right, we have to get around because now that we understand that God has a plan that we're trying to fulfill, we're just trying to get to that destination. And so we, we go another route. And sometimes there's a wall that we have to come over and we just have to keep going and press on. I live in South Phoenix. On my way here this morning, um, there was a train that blocks the road. And most of you probably don't even realize trains run through Phoenix, but, but they just like cross the road all of a sudden. And I don't even know what these things carry anymore, um, like construction supplies or something. And you have no idea how long they're going to be or how long it's going to take them. But I had to preach. Right? I didn't get to this train track with this train running by and say, oh, whew, I guess Tim's on. God doesn't want me to go that way. I better turn around and have some coffee. I had to be here this morning. There's a, there's a plan that God had for us to be together, to, to worship, to pray, to study. And I got a part of that. And so I had to find a different route and, and take all these side streets and you run up until you get past the freeway and then I can get here. Right? The train didn't stop me. Maybe, maybe that's somewhere you're in your life right now, right? Maybe, maybe you feel like you were taking the right path and, and there just seems to be these obstacles. I'm going to be honest with you. The thing about, about the righteous path is it's about God's will, not our own, right? And so we're trying to understand where is he leading us? And sometimes a, a wall is a wall, right? You go a different direction. Sometimes a wall is a, a moment of teaching, a moment of humbling, a moment of something that God has, I don't know, something bigger in store, right? Tim's talking about being here for seven years, Phoenix Bible Church wouldn't be here if Tim didn't have some obstacles in his life. He didn't originally come out here for Phoenix Bible Church. And so when they hit that wall, he could have just stopped, packed up their bags and headed somewhere else. But that's not what God's plan was. And so that's not what they did. They stayed. And now he gets three months off, right? That's great. And we're here. And we have a mission that we're accomplishing. We have a community that God's bringing together. We have people that God is serving and working through to serve one another. And we have people out there that God is still calling us to reach. There's a plan at work here. There's a plan that God is trying to accomplish that he wants us to be a part of. And he wants us to understand the role that we have as individuals and as a community. And that's how we begin to look to ahead. That's how we begin to plan for what the skills that we need, the jobs that we take, the places that we live. That's what God wants us to do when we're making wise plans is understand and seek his wisdom, seek his plan first. 
Because that's what it means to be wise. It means to have the fear of the Lord, right? To look to him as ultimate, supreme, in control. He is God. He's God. Do you trust him? Do you want to follow him? Do you love him? The righteous path says, I love God and I just want to pursue him. Maybe that means being a teacher or a janitor or a landscaper or whatever else. But it means I want to pursue him with everything that I have. I can't tell you what school to send your kids to. I can't tell you what uh, job you should take and, and anything else from this pulpit. But what I can say is I know there's a plan that all of us need to be considering that I don't think most of us do. And I'm guilty of it too. How do you plan to grow in your faith over the next year? How do you plan to grow in your faith over the summer? Right? Think about your vacations. Think about your jobs. Think about where you live. All of those things are important. And, and God has a plan for where those things are happening too. But, but what are you doing to grow in your faith? How do you draw closer to him? How do you understand what he's doing? Dive into his word understand his scriptures. Tim mentioned it before. We've got studies coming in the fall that are going to help us to understand what it looks like to grow. And we want to do that together. So if this is your first time, we've got a thing called starting point next week. Sign up for that. It's on our website. It's just going to tell us a little bit about, tell you a little bit about us. And more importantly, we're going to learn a little bit about you, right? Or get plugged into a community group. This is not something that we do alone, right? The church is a community because God is drawing us together. There's a purpose in his plan, and that purpose is to bring us together to him, adopting us into a family of sons and daughters. One way that we do that in reminding one another is reminding uh, of the sacrifice that Jesus made that brings us together. And the way we do that is by taking communion. So maybe you got this cup on your way in. Uh, and I want to encourage you, in just a few moments, the band's going to come up and they're going to play, and that's when you can open it up and take it. But just for a second, just think about this. This is a symbol of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and for me, for all of us. In his death and resurrection, it's the blood he shed on the cross, the price he paid for our sin that reunites us to God, that changes our hearts, that gives us a path to wisdom, a path to life. And if you haven't believed that before, if this is the first time you're even hearing that, I just wanna encourage you to just set this down and start praying to God. It's just, just talking to God. Say, God, help me to understand what that even means. And then come find me after. I want to talk to you more. So I'm going to pray and the band's going to come up. And then when you're ready, you can take the elements. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather, to worship, uh, to study your word, to pray, God, just to be together and to see each other's faces. Lord, we pray that this summer is one that you work mightily in our hearts, in our church and in our city, God, as we look ahead to the future. We pray for rest for Tim and Jaya. We pray for rest for us, God. And ultimately, we praise you for the rest that we receive, the shalom that you've promised us in his death and resurrection for our eternity with you. May we have peace and joy to look ahead to the future in that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.